This is the Everyday AI Show, the everyday podcast where we simplify AI and bring its power to your fingertips. Listen daily for practical advice to boost your career, business, and everyday life. If you spent your entire weekend glued to the Super Bowl and couldn't keep up with what's going on in the world of AI, well, we got you. This is the AI news that matters. Welcome, y'all. What's going on? My name is Jordan Wilson, and I'm the host of Everyday AI. And this is for you. Everyday AI is a daily live stream, podcast, and free daily newsletter helping everyday people like you and me not just learn what's going on in the world of AI. There's a lot, but how we can all actually leverage it to grow our companies and to grow our careers. So uh, if you're listening on the podcast, thank you. We appreciate that. Check your episode notes as always. So go down, look at the notes in the episode description. Uh, we have links to you know uh, our website to read more about all of these stories as well. Uh, and if you're joining us live, like Dr. Harvey Castro from Texas or Tara joining us from Nashville, uh, hey, or Woozy Rogers joining us from the Super Bowl winning city of Kansas City. Congrats, Woozy. All right. So if you're joining us on the live stream, let me know what, what uh, you care about this week in AI news. All right. So let's, let's jump into it y'all. And let me just tell you this. I get it. Um, trying to understand what's going on in the world of artificial intelligence is not easy. Um, there's so many things happening. It's, it's so much marketing from companies and, and spin and, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to understand what's real and what's not. That's what we do here. So, you know, I'd say, I'd hate to put a number on it, but I'd say at least I spend 10 hours a week just reading AI news, probably a lot more because it's actually AI generated summaries about AI news, right? That, that I'm reading to keep up. So I probably look at a couple hundred stories each and every week, specifically on AI. So from all these big companies, the press releases they're putting out, the stories that they're pushing, um, new developments, we're keeping up with all of it. All right. So each week, on Monday, usually every single week on Monday since 2024 started. Uh, this is our segment, and, and we tell you here's here's what's actually important. All right, and here's what's not. So let's let's jump in. And as a reminder, you can always get this information on our website, youreverydayai.com. So if you haven't subscribed to our daily newsletter, first of all, why not? Second of all, you should do it. And also, I tell people this: our website is like a free generative AI university. It is now we have more than 200 podcast episodes in all different categories. So if you want to know about, you know, sales or if you want to know about health, whatever it is that you care about in the world of AI, we have we probably interviewed a handful or dozens of experts already. So you can go watch those, go read those newsletters as well on our site. And hey, as a reminder, because people don't know this, this is a live show, right? I, I joke around sometimes and say this is the realest thing in artificial intelligence. This is a live show. We don't really edit it and put it out on the podcast. Um, so, so there's a lot of work that goes into this, but I, I'd like to remind people that. All right, let's start at the top for the AI news that matters this week. All right, so OpenAI is working on agents. All right, so they are reportedly developing agents. Probably the, the first story that we saw on this, on this was from the information uh, but now uh, just about every single publication has been writing about this. So uh, it's technically not new, but this is the first kind of uh, official reporting that we've seen. 
But we've known all along that uh, OpenAI has been working on a lot of things. They've been working on artificial general intelligence, right? So that's essentially what happens when all of these AI systems are smarter than us. Um, and they don't necessarily need us anymore to tell them what to do. So uh, OpenAI has been openly working on artificial uh, general intelligence or AGI, but it's also been reported now for many months that they've been working on agents. All right. So if you're not a dork like me, let me tell you a little bit what agents are and what they can do. Well, agents are uh, kind of think of it as smart little bots that you can program to do something on your computer. So the way that this is kind of different right now than uh, generative AI is right now, generative AI still requires a human, right? It still requires a human to input some text and maybe to copy and paste the output, right? Or to save, you know, maybe you're generating uh, images or you're generating uh, videos, whatever it may be. So right now, even generative AI still requires us as humans. So here's what an agent is and what it does and why this is pretty big news. Well, um, essentially, OpenAI is working on two different types of agents. So the first type of agent is it can control your actual devices, right? So whether that's your uh, computer or I'm sure there's there's going to be uh, agents on the phone as well. So it can actually control your device, right? And perform actions on your device for you, all right? So then the second thing is it can complete actions um, across multiple apps or websites, all right? So literally think of what a human does all day, right? For the most part, we are on different websites. We are maybe typing things in. We are reading, uh, maybe looking at documents or presentations, maybe taking notes, replying to emails, etc. So you can probably understand now how powerful this could be, right? Because think, OpenAI can understand, it can see, it can see things, right? So we've seen with the, uh, you know, what's widely called vision, uh, the vision capabilities in GPT-4, where it can understand, um, it can understand images, right? It can read PDF documents. Uh, OpenAI and other large language models uh, can look at spreadsheets and they can analyze spreadsheets, right? But it still requires us, Right. It still requires us to, you know, maybe go in our email and download that latest quarterly report and to say, yes, you know, make a decision. Yes, this is something, you know, there's no private data in here. I can upload this into ChatGPT. And it still requires the human to do that and to tell ChatGPT something and to take the results from what OpenAI or another large language model spits out. It's not how it will work with agents. All right. So agents are programmable. So all of those different steps that I just talked about. In theory, and this is probably how uh, these agents will work whenever they do come out, they are programmable, right? Um, if you're if you're a super dork like me, you probably follow uh, RPA, right? So uh, RPA has has been around for a long time, but what RPA essentially is, it's called robotic process automation. So it's gotten a lot better um, and a lot more uh, intuitive for beginners over the years, but essentially. That's where you can just think. Think of like if clicking a record button, right, on your browser or maybe on your computer, and it's um, analyzing exactly what you're doing, right? And then after you're done recording, you can go and say, okay, well, hey, between step three and step four, add a 30-second delay. Or, you know, at step five, uh, we need to enter credentials. So here are the credentials that we enter when we click on this 
um, you know, username field. Okay. So think of what happens when we get those agents capabilities and combine it with OpenAI, combine it with uh, what, what I think is still by far the world's most advanced large language model in GPT-4. So um, bringing the internet connectivity of GPT-4, the vision capabilities, the, abis- uh, the ability to uh, read and analyze PDFs, the ability to uh, analyze spreadsheets, photos, etc., and then combine it with these two, you know, reported uh, agents that would would be coming out from OpenAI, the ability to control your device, and the ability to perform actions on your behalf across multiple apps and websites. You know what? And we're going to be talking about this a little bit tomorrow on Hot Take Tuesday. But I think this is, I mean, this just goes to show how much I think people are misunderstanding uh, the power of artificial intelligence, right? They think that, oh, AI is just hype. It's like, no, AI isn't just hype. This is the future of work. This is how we are all going to be working, right? I'm not saying it's going to be, you know, using open AI, uh, you, you know, and, and, you know, this agent's uh, functionality or feature when it comes out, but this is, this is the future of work, right? It's, it's combining um, kind of that automation with large language models, with, with internet connectivity, with the concept of, you know, second brain or the concept of uh, an AI system having access to everything that you need, right? And having that in its kind of own internal database. So uh, pretty, pretty interesting, uh, you know, pretty interesting stuff here from OpenAI. And uh, I'll tell you one other thing, you know, this is, uh, I think for a lot of uh, people, when this story came out, this is the first time that they kind of switched uh, their thoughts on what uh, generative AI could do. But if I'm telling you, like, if I'm telling you the truth, this is what we've been seeing already for the last year or so with chat GPT plugins, right? Um, on a very small scale. And, 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 you know, this is why I talk about plugins so much. And this is why we teach, you know, plugins in our free prime prompt polish course, right? So again, check your show notes or just, you know, hit us up and say PPP, we'll send you access to that. But, you know, with plugins, you can do this on a limited capability, right? With one prompt, you can hit enter. And, you know, by combining three different plugins, it can perform a variety of tasks on your behalf. That's what people are missing, right? right? And why I think OpenAI is so far ahead of everyone still right now uh, with plugins while we still have them uh, is, is, is because you get that, um, that glimpse of RPA. You get that, that glimpse of agents, you know, multiple uh, kind of smart plugins working together at the same time to help you accomplish a goal, right? Uh, an example that we always do is combining multiple plugins to analyze a long uh, PDF, to grab information out of that PDF, to write about it, to uh, put some of that information in a spreadsheet, and then to make a graph, right? It's a very small example, but that's something you can do right now with OpenAI's ChatGPT that a lot of people don't know about, but uh, pretty exciting uh, for the future to see what's what's coming next with these agents. All right. Our next piece of AI news that matters, Google Gemini Ultra is out. Hey, this is Jordan, the host of Everyday AI. I've spent more than a thousand hours inside ChatGPT and I'm sharing all of my secrets in our free Prime Prompt Polish ChatGPT course that's only available to loyal listeners like you. Here's what Lindy, who works as an educational consultant, said about the PPP course. 
I couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting the results from ChatGPT that I needed and wanted. And after taking the PPP course, I now realize that I was not priming correctly. So I will be heading back into ChatGPT right now to practice my priming, prompting, and polishing. Everyone's prompting wrong, and the PPP course fixes that. If you want access, go to podppp.com. Again, that's podppp.com. Sign up for the free course and start putting ChatGPT to work for you. All right, so we had a dedicated show about this on Friday. So if you care, make sure to go back and uh, listen and watch that one. But here's the, uh, here's the high level, right? So <laughs> I think Google's missed um, a lot of things here. I think they've missed the mark in their marketing, uh, their advertising, their messaging, et cetera. It's a little confusing. So essentially, Bard is dead, all right? So if you hear someone talking about Google Bard, it technically doesn't exist anymore, all right? So here's, 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 uh, here's the skinny, right? If you want to, if you want to hear the, uh, all of the names and all, everything that's been going on with Google Bard, Google Gemini, right? So originally Google Bard was powered by the Lambda model. Then Google Bard was powered by Palm model. Then Google Bard was powered by Palm 2. Then Google Bard was powered by Gemini Pro. Now Google Bard is dead. So now Gemini is powered by Gemini, Gemini Pro for the free edition. And now Gemini Advanced is kind of the new name for the more powerful model, which is powered by Gemini Ultra. So a little confusing, you know, essentially we've gone from Bard uh, to, you know, powered by different models to Bard being powered by Gemini to now we're calling it Gemini, but there's two flavors. There's Gemini Advanced which is powered by Gemini Ultra. And then there's just uh, normal Gemini, which is powered by the free Gemini Pro. Yeah, it's a lot, right? Um, and I, I'm, I'm not going to get into, you know, how badly uh, I think Google fumbled um, kind of the marketing and the messaging around this, but here's, here's a high level overview. So uh, it is free, right? So there is the free version, which is Gemini Pro. Um, and it's pretty okay for, for a, a free offering, right? Um, I'll say this, uh, you, you know, Douglas, yeah, Douglas is, is throwing up, uh, uh, an emoji of uh, hot garbage for, uh, for Google Gemini. So I will say there's, there's, uh, things that are okay about Google Gemini, right? Um, if you're looking at the, the free version, I'd say at least the free version is comparable. Uh, so Gemini pro is comparable to GPT 3.5. If you're using the free version of chat GPT, However, you can uh, access GPT-4 for free in a variety of use cases. So I don't see a lot of use cases right now, at least, where anyone should be using Gemini. Um, you know, the uh, I guess the exclusion for that is if you do have access right now to your workspace account, which is the one thing I was really, really disappointed with Google in, is so many people cannot access this with their current workspace account, right? So that means... Uh, you know, like my company, so many companies around the world use what used to be called G Suite, uh, but it's now called Google Workspace, right? So your work email is Google, your uh, your documents are in your Google Drive, you know, you're using uh, maybe Google Docs and Google Sheets, etc. So the the premise and the promise of a large language model like Gemini Advanced 
the paid version uh, so you can access Gemini Ultra. But the promise and the premise is, all right, well, let's connect it to our work documents, right? So we can get more work done. So we can make the mundane faster and focus on the meaningful. Well, so many people right now cannot even access uh, Gemini Advance and this new model with their Google Workspace accounts, right? Myself included, I've read on the internet, very few people, um, it seems like, have access to this. And you can only access it with your personal Gmail account. So again, huge blunder. You know, I, I've, I've talked about how so many companies make it easy to access their paid model, right? Uh, ChatGPT makes it very easy. Perplexity makes it easy. Anthropic Claude makes it easy, uh, right? That, like so many of these companies make it so easy to access the pro model. It's actually very difficult with, with, with Google and Google Gemini, right? I, I went down like a 30-click, uh, you know, maze to try to see if our company had access to Google Gemini with our workspace account. Turns out, well, we didn't. Uh, so, yeah, and, and you can, yeah, right now is you can use uh, Google Apps with the, uh, with the free tier as well. So you can connect if, with your personal Gmail account. But again, at least to me, what's the point? What's the point, right? Google, if you want us to use your large language model, first of all, you got to fix some of these things, right? Talked about a couple of these things on the show. So um, running some test prompts when uh, Gemini Advanced was released. So, you know, as an example, I asked Gemini Advance, who won the U.S. primary election in New Hampshire, right? So uh, Donald Trump won it for the Republicans. Joe Biden technically won it uh, as a write-in for, for Democrats, right? But uh, Google Gemini said, uh, you know, elections are a complex topic. And it said, just use Google search. Why? Why, right? Google has the most powerful search engine. Why can't it get... Uh, real-time information correct in Gemini. Um, also, I asked, this was, uh, I believe, on Thursday, I said, who is playing in the Super Bowl this week? And Google Gemini said, well, that hasn't been decided yet. Obviously, it has. So, you know, uh, I think the combination uh, between Gemini, uh, Ultra, not having access, not having consistent and uh, correct access to real-time data across the board, huge miss. Uh, the fact that so many uh, workspace accounts can't have access and use this, um, you know, for their business, huge miss. So um, I hope this improves. But again, I don't, if I'm being honest, I don't have a ton of confidence uh, specifically in Google Gemini. I think Google has great other AI products right now. Gemini is not it, right? There's all this hype that it was going to come and outshadow out GPT-4 and it was going to be the, the chat GPT-4 killer. No, it's not. Not even comparable, if I'm being honest. Uh, I don't see a single use case, at least right now, or myself or our team, why we would want to use Google Gemini. Yeah, it's fast. Uh, it's it's pretty good at coding. Um, it has you know some nice personality. I think it's it's a little less dry than other large language models. But I don't care about that. I don't care about a personality uh, for a large language model or speed. If it can't number one, access my work data. And number two, if it can't access consistent real time data, it has direct connectivity to the world's largest and best search engine, yet it can't get real time, right? It's a huge problem. Uh, let's see, uh, Pramod, thank you for your question. So Pramod asking, is ultra going to support the same agents concept in GPT? Uh, not 
Not that we know of yet, right? Uh, this is, I, I, I do believe this is where all big companies are working in their next iterations of large language models is uh, kind of this concept of agents. Uh, that is the logic, the only logical uh, kind of next step, right? Aside from improving the actual models. But uh, yes, Pramod, the, uh, the assumption in the community that, uh, you know, uh, uh, us dorks that follow this is that Google and all other companies will be working um, on agents, but there hasn't been any kind of official reporting uh, yet. Yes, Matt, thank you for joining us. Uh, big, big miss. But he said, uh, Friday, okay, Friday, the prompts were responding correctly. Yeah, I did. I did try them a little bit uh, more over the weekend. They were responding a little bit better, but at least still, uh, I th still think that uh, Gemini was missing uh, some of that real-time accuracy. Although, yes, it did approve from the original launch. Hey, this is Jordan, the host of Everyday AI. I've spent more than a thousand hours inside ChatGPT and I'm sharing all of my secrets in our free Prime Prompt Polish ChatGPT course that's only available to loyal listeners like you. Here's what Ryan, a business owner in the medical space, had to say about the course. His information and his podcasts have been very helpful in everything that I do in using artificial intelligence. In fact, it's been a game changer. Using the triple P method is absolutely phenomenal. And in fact, I teach that to a lot of people that I have in my circles. And so I would just like to say thank you to Jordan Wilson and thank you for presenting everything that you do. And I look forward to learning more from you. Everyone's prompting wrong. And the PPP course fixes that. If you want access, go to podppp.com. Again, that's podppp.com. Sign up for the free course and start putting ChatGPT to work for you. All right, next. Hey, we're talking more OpenAI because Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, is looking to raise. All right, so clear, clear your, clear your uh, speaker here because this is not a uh, a misspeak. Seven trillion. $7 trillion. Sam Altman is looking to raise $7 trillion for AI chips. All right. So uh, Sam Altman is looking to increase global chip building capacity, aiming to solve this kind of supply and demand paradigm we have going on right now. Um, and let me just go ahead and, and put this into perspective. And, and let me tell you what I think OpenAI is doing here. OpenAI wants to be bigger than Microsoft. OpenAI wants to be bigger than NVIDIA, right? Uh, I think right now, those are the two companies that are out ahead of everyone else. Uh, NVIDIA is has a chokehold on the chips industry, right? So, uh, and, and what this means, if you don't follow it closely, you know, there's these GPU chips, right? And these are essentially a very powerful uh, chip that is required to run all of these, um, all of these generative AI uh, companies, right? They all need, uh, you know, thousands and tens of thousands of these very powerful GPU chips. And right now, NVIDIA is really the only one that can make one that's powerful enough, right? It's they're so far ahead of everyone else. But a lot of big companies, Microsoft included, are uh, Amazon as well, are uh, starting to build their own very powerful chips that can power generative AI, right? So Sam Altman wants in on this, right? He wants OpenAI to play in this space and is looking to raise $7 trillion. Yes, trillion. All right, let me put that in perspective. Obviously, no company has ever raised that kind of money in the history of ever, right? 
you've seen some companies raise maybe a billion with a B, but one, uh, I, I couldn't even find the information for the most, um, you know, I, I, I saw that there's been multiple companies that have raised more than a billion dollars, right? I've never, I could be wrong. Let me know. I've never seen or heard of a company raising trillions with a T trillions of dollars. Put it in perspective. That is more revenue, right? So if you look at the top 15 companies in the US and combine their revenue, that is more revenue than the 15 largest companies in the United States combined. Seven trillion is a silly amount. So why? Why are they doing this? Well, yeah, I think they um I think they want to be, you know, if the if you combined Microsoft and NVIDIA and Google, I think that's what OpenAI wants to be in the future. Um, however, I, I think it actually signals something else. Here's what I think, right? And I don't I don't speculate a ton on the show because I, I want to keep it facts-based, but uh, there's plenty of other people who have this belief. But I think this just goes to show that right now, um, OpenAI has a lot more uh, technology and a lot more developments um, than they've announced, right? Whether that means like, oh, have they announced AGI? I'm not saying that. Or have they achieved artificial general intelligence? I'm not saying that. Uh, but who knows? Maybe they're much closer to agents than what reports are saying. Or maybe they are much closer to AGI. And maybe one of their biggest, um, you know, uh, obstacles as they see the next, you know, three, five years of the company is not having enough chips, not having enough compute power, Right. Um, and also, even if you think of what does seven trillion dollars of chips of, of GPU chips look like? Well, I don't even know if there's enough resources right now in the world, right? Because all of these chips require resources from the earth. I don't even know if there's enough resources to build right now seven trillion dollars of chips. So, you know, maybe it's a, a new uh type of power uh that they want to build in order to create more energy efficient and more powerful chips, right? We've talked about fusion before. We know Sam Altman uh, is, is pretty big on uh, fusion technology, as is uh, Mark Zuckerberg. So this is big news, right? So keep an eye on what OpenAI is going to be up to in the coming months. Why are they trying to raise $7 trillion? I think it is bigger than just wanting to compete in chips. That's It, it, it has to be something bigger. Right. Again, that's me uh, kind of going off on my own there, but it has to be something bigger than just the chips. All right, let's keep the AI news that matters rolling. So uh, AI art companies are going on the offensive in a lawsuit that they're involved in. So uh, there's been a lot of these, but one major ongoing class action lawsuit against a handful of AI photo and video generating companies are alleging that they're using copyrighted materials. So uh, lawyers for some of the defendants, which in this uh, particular class action lawsuits uh, includes Runway, Midjourney, and Stability AI. So lawyers for some of these companies just uh, this weekend filed new motions, including a motion to dismiss the case. All right. So this is going to be interesting. And I've been saying this for, uh, geez, even before I started the show, that there's going to be so many so many lawsuits for generative AI companies. If you want job security in the uncertain world of AI, be a, a lawyer that handles these cases, that handles copyright law, that handles 
uh, IP that handles the future of the internet. Because, I mean, here's the reality. Almost every large language model or generative AI technology, not all of them, but almost all of them are trained on copyrighted materials and can produce a content that includes copyrighted materials. So uh, the lawsuits are going to be bonkers, uh, but I just think that's the new model. That's the new model is, is these companies are just, that's just going to be a top, top line item, um, you know, on their balance sheet is settling lawsuits or, um, you know, striking partnership deals um, to not get sued. Uh, you know, I think that's obviously, you know, people much smarter than me thought of this when they launched the companies. I think that's what uh, we're going to see, right? We've already seen OpenAI working on uh, content partnerships uh, worth anywhere from one to $5 million annually with uh, certain online uh, outlets. I think you're going to see uh, easily lawsuits that uh, could be in the billions, right? So the New York Times is suing OpenAI and Microsoft for a reported billions. That's billions with a B, right? Um, presumably that case will get settled, but you're going to see uh, hundreds of hundreds of millions or billions of dollars in, in settlements, lawsuits, etc. that these large gen AI companies, these large tech giants are going to have to pay out. Uh, there's, there's no other way around it aside from, you know, equally as lucrative uh, content agreements or content deals. Uh, so pretty, uh, pretty big one here with the, uh, these AI art companies going on the offensive, uh, trying to get uh, at least one of these, I believe this one was in California, uh, trying to get one of these class action lawsuits thrown out. I don't think it's going to work, but keep an eye on it. Uh, let's see, Tanya, Tanya, thanks for joining us. Tanya says, doesn't it depend on how AI validates information, which makes sense that information is not accessible? Yeah, I mean, it depends. It depends on what you're talking about. Uh, it depends on if you're talking about text, images, right? But if you can go in and ask, you know, so many of these, uh, you know, now AI image generating, uh, you know, platforms for, you know, hey, say, I want this from Disney or I want this from Marvel and it spits it out. Or even when you don't, right? Uh, we've showed this on on the show before. Even when you ask for, oh, you know, draw me a picture of a superhero, and a lot of these platforms will spit out something that's copyrighted, even when you're not asking for it, right? Because uh, these these models have just gobbled up, uh, you know, the history of of the open and closed internet. Um, so yeah, it's it's problematic. All right, next, I like this one. So details are now coming out for uh, Brilliant Labs. Uh, newest hardware product called, uh, these are glasses called The Frame. So the startup Brilliant Labs has launched a new pair of smart spectacles called Frame, and it offers kind of different AI-assisted features like visual analysis, translation, and web search. Uh, so the eyewear, uh, which will be three hundred and forty nine dollars, uh, there's there's obviously quite quite a few kind of AI smart glasses that have been hitting. Uh, you, you know, the scene, these are obviously much more affordable, but one-tenth of the price as the Apple Vision Pro, although obviously, you know, not competing in the same category, but you've seen uh, the smart glasses um, kind of a combo from uh, Meta and Ray-Ban. So now we are seeing uh, Brilliant Labs announcing uh, the frame, $349. Uh, what I like is, yes, there is, uh, there's an app that you can pair it up with you know, kind of personalize uh, what's seen on these glasses, but it's really cool. So uh, I think the two things that I'm most excited about to see in these glasses are, so it's using uh, 
OpenAI for visual analysis, right? So literally in real time, when you're seeing something, uh, I think in the ad, it's, you know, looking at raspberries and it's giving you, you know, nutritional information. So think, right, anything that you can see, um, tapping into this kind of vision mode that we talked about from OpenAI, uh, allowing these glasses, these AI powered glasses to see and understand and give you more information about something that you're seeing. I think that's great. Um, as well as using perplexity for web search. So for real-time information, uh, I believe with the frame, you can also speak to them. I know it's weird people speaking to glasses, but, uh, you know, unfortunately that may be the future. So, uh, pretty, pretty cool, uh, announcement here from Brilliant Labs with, uh, frame glasses. All right. And here we go. We're going to wrap up. We're going to wrap up here with talking about the Super Bowl. So AI was front and center uh, at the Super Bowl, at least for the ads, all right? So uh, I'm going to run down uh, some of the ads that caught my attention for uh, for the Super Bowl. You know, different companies sometimes poking fun of AI, uh, but also some, I think, some really cool use cases and some, I think, some of the great commercials that really ran away, um, you, you know, with the, uh, with the limelight. So uh, first, a funny one here. Uh, with the minions uh, for their new movie, poking fun of terrible AI images. And, and we're going to be linking all of these in our newsletter, FYI. So make sure you go to youreverydayai.com and sign up for that free daily newsletter. So uh, the, the, uh, the 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 minions kind of uh, poking fun of AI uh, generated images in their 30 second spot. All right, this one, this one was actually a little bit of misinformation. So there was the, he gets us, uh, ads. Uh, there's two different ones. And uh, a lot of people on the internet said these were AI generated. I even thought myself when I first saw them, I'm like, these look AI generated. So it was just a series of, of photos. Uh, but um, and even uh, the ad, um, ad age uh, Twitter account referenced that these were AI image generated. And later they clarified um, that they actually weren't. So, you know, a lot of people it, it is getting harder and harder to to understand because AI image uh, AI images are so high quality now, especially with Midjourney V6. It's hard to tell the difference. So, so many people, even uh, you know, news outlets were reporting or alluding to, yeah, these are AI image uh, AI images, but they were not. So, Ad Age did uh, confirm later on that they were actually by a fine arts photographer named Julie Fullerton Batten. All right, so. Uh, the next, uh, the next one we had was from Microsoft Copilot. So Microsoft, this was their first Super Bowl ad in four years. Uh, I thought it was pretty, uh, a cool commercial, pretty inspiring, but they essentially, you know, went through the lens of, uh, looking at different people that were maybe making a career transition, trying to start their own business, maybe, uh, you know, having a career shift later in life, going to school, et cetera. So, uh, the, kind, kind of this ad that was, uh, I kind of called it like a watch me ad. They're saying, you know, kind of like watch me, right? Like uh, prove all of you wrong, uh, you, you know, uh, kind of the the concept of using Microsoft Copilot um, in different capacities to do different things. So uh, some of the uh, features that they highlighted in this one minute ad, right, which is like an eternity, I think that's like $14 million or something uh, to put out the ad. So uh, someone generating storyboard images with Copilot, uh, someone coding uh, with Copilot, someone creating a chemistry quiz, uh, someone creating logos for a, a new company, right? So uh, it was going through just different practical use cases, both for personal and professional reasons. 
um, of different ways to use the AI, uh, Microsoft's AI uh, kind of chat uh, co-pilot. So Microsoft here, I loved it, uh, leaning very heavily into AI um, and also uh, coming out with that, uh, you know, that tagline that, hey, I love, right? So they said, your everyday AI companion on any device. Hey, I'm for it. All right. Uh, next, the, the 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 next one, and I liked uh, I liked this one. I thought this was a great uh, great commercial. So uh, Google really pushing AI and accessibility. Uh, so showing off the AI capabilities and its new Pixel 8 smartphone. So there is a new feature, uh, a new AI accessibility feature called Guided Frame. So they had a great commercial here, uh, kind of through the lens of someone who had visual impairments using this new feature in the Pixel 8 uh, called Guided Frame to help them. Uh, capture these moments on their phone, even though if they weren't able to uh, fully see it because of this visual impairment. So um, I thought that, you know, it's, hey, for once, I love seeing a big company, uh, you, you know, uh, take an empathetic, uh, you know, approach um, in its Super Bowl ad and, and, you know, kind of allowed us to, you know, see how other people see the world, which I thought was really cool. Um, and I loved how, uh, you know, Google did take the uh, this opportunity to bring accessibility to the forefront. Because I think when we talk about generative AI and AI in general, we really focus on productivity. Uh, we focus on business growth. But uh, hey, accessibility is huge for artificial intelligence, especially for generative AI. So uh, what I thought was a great commercial uh, from Google and even throwing in a uh, Stevie, Stevie Wonder voiceover at the end. All right, and then uh, one more. Uh, another one kind of making fun uh, of AI images was the field of fake uh, from Body Armor. Essentially, if you saw this one, uh, yeah, it's it's comical, right? So they were um, showing, you know, different AI image, uh, different AI images, which, you know, here's the thing, y'all. Like people, you know, the, the, the Minions commercial, the, um, you know, the Body Armor commercial here, they're showing AI images, but really as they were like a year ago, AI images don't look like this anymore. You can't tell, if I'm being honest, you can't tell the difference. You know, I am someone I've, you know, back in my journalism days, I, I had published photos and newspapers all over the country, you know, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, you know, a little paper in Peoria, the Chicago Sun-Times. I had my photos published everywhere. I've taken hundreds of thousands of photos with a DSLR camera. You cannot tell the difference anymore, right? So yeah, it was, you know, kind of uh, cheeky, you know, when you had companies, you know, the the minions and uh, body armor, you know, kind of making fun of these AI images, you know, it's funny and all, but that's also like the technology from a year plus ago. But um, essentially, uh, you know, body armor said nothing in sports should be artificial. Uh, you know, that was their kind of uh, spiel there. So uh, I, I liked it. Uh, I really liked that AI took, uh, I wouldn't say took center stage, but there was a lot of different uh, AI. There was also uh, CrowdStrike, uh, you know, was promoting its AI-powered cybersecurity. Etsy promoted its AI-powered gift mode. So yeah, there was a couple, couple handfuls of commercials that really led with AI and artificial intelligence. All right. Hey, thank you, Ken, said more value bombs. So I hope this was helpful as we wrap up the AI news that matters. Keep in mind, we do this every single Monday. So maybe you can't join us every day and that's okay. But if you want to know what's going on, if you want to know, uh, you know, cut through the marketing and just get to what actually matters, Monday is your show for that, where we go over the AI news that matters. Uh, and hey, tomorrow, 
Tomorrow, join us. Speaking of new themed shows for 2024, we're going to be tackling tomorrow on our Hot Take Tuesday. There is no AI hype. This is how the world works now. All right, so make sure to join us for that. And make sure, if you haven't already, to go to youreverydayai.com. Sign up for that free daily newsletter. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow and every day for more Everyday AI. Thanks, y'all. And that's a wrap for today's edition of Everyday AI. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating. It helps keep us going. For a little more AI magic, visit youreverydayai.com and sign up to our daily newsletter so you don't get left behind. Go break some barriers and we'll see you next time.